Go Late Selects, brought to you by Sky. Watch new, exclusive, and unmissable content only on Sky. So we have to be on best behaviour this week, Ada, because we have a guest coming in. Actually, coming into the studio, yeah, not zooming, not Zencaster, none of that hokey pokey digital shite. They're going to be here in, in the living colour. Well, if he turns up in black and white, I'll be worried. <laughs> Let's do it! Welcome to another episode of Go Loud Selects. You nearly forgot the name of the show. I there. just had a that, that's uh, called the uh, brain fart. dramatic pause. Brain fart. No, that's what you theatre lovies do. Oh, little, right. little pause and they go, "What's he going to say?" And what do you the radio drama. lovies do? Uh, well, hello now. Would you like to win some cash? Radio Dublin, the station with a name, not a number. Remember that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, what's the show called again? It's called Go Loud Selects. It's a Go Loud production. <laughs> it's a Go Loud original, and it is brought to you by Sky. Well. Done. What have Sky given us this week, Aidan Oski? Well, I want to remind you that Sky are showing this much-talked-about new documentary about Princess Diana, <clears throat> uh, told exclu- exclusively through archive footage. It's called The Princess, coming soon on Sky, and it's an in-depth portrait about the enduring public of, uh, affection that uh, the people had for Diana, still the do have. princess. Indeed, and also the insatiable tabloid uh, appetite for Diana, Princess of Wales. Because when you think of well-known people, no one was in the papers more than her back in the I day. I remember the first time th- seeing that kind of paparazzi scrum around her was, I think they just announced that they got engaged and she was still teaching. She was a kindergarten teacher, I think. And she was coming out of the school. <clears throat> now, it's obviously one of those central London private schools. It was like a, a basement thing. And, and you I, think she was working in it or was she, she was still the, her no, own children No, no, she or? was working there. When they got engaged, she was still working, I think. But she, uh, there's a shot of her coming up the steps and there's a fucking scrum of paparazzi, like yeah. 40, 50 paparazzi. And she gets they into her little, back, do they? she gets into her little like mini metro and mm. potters off down the street. And that was the start of it because that just followed her then till the day she died. Literally. I, I like the way you phrased that. She pottered off down the street. <laughs> she pooted off and a little... Zoom, uh, zoomed. I think the, the car was blue, but you can check out the YouTube clip for that. Not only... That's coming soon to Sky. Coming soon to Sky. And uh, like I said, it's been uh, much talked about, so that may suggest that it's there's some interesting material covered in it. Marvellous. Now listen, because we have a guest, we're going to give them... The bulk of the time this week. So the spotlight. We've only got the one recommendation for you, apart from the Princess Diana story. Which well, I, I, cannot, I, I just have a recommendation. Ooh, I know you're going to give the main one, but... Um, uh-huh. Go for there's it. There's a... Uh, I guess you'd call it... It's it's like a, a sitcom that's on Sky at the moment. And it just started back last weekend. It's actually more of a tragic comedy. Um, there's been about eight seasons of it. Oh. Uh, they keep changing kind of some of the, the, the central character in it. I have no idea which one. It's about. called Manchester United. The downfall. Oh, Jesus. No? Yeah. Hi, John. Hi, guys. Hi, uh, John. <laughs> I, I, oh, come on. You knew at some point, now. at some stage, with the season being back and with United still being still being shit, or maybe even shitter than they were, th- that it would be mentioned. As Abba said, <laughs> I don't want to talk. As Abba said, go <laughs> fuck yourself. Uh, let's not talk about that. Simon, uh, as a Spurs fan, I had to endure an, an all or nothing. On Amazon, Manchester <laughs> City had the treatments. I know no, Arsenal. Arsenal. Has Arsenal anyone watched through? the Arsenal one yet? No. Why no. would I? Be I saw the that? clip doing the rounds of um, 
uh, Arteta play um, with the players at training and he was blaring out uh, you'll never walk alone oh, to prep Jesus them to go to Anfield Christ. that's uh, the new fangled man management tactics of 2022 yeah. that you need United to are the only it's called nothing or nothing but I think they've missed a trick <clears throat> United like it was plain sailing for City Arsenal would be relatively interesting Spurs was okay but it's United has been the, that's been the soap opera for the last three or four years I can't yeah, believe they the haven't show gotten on board with it yeah but, but do you think they want to publicly show a shit show that's the problem oh they have well, been yeah but they would you want us to see a flying fly in the wall documentary oh, yeah. I do but no I'm seeing enough of the results with the pitch why are we talking about this sorry sorry Look, actually no we need to be we need yeah. to be mindful of Simon's health and well being over the health, next few months yes because it's probably only going to get you. worse trigger warning sorry, sorry. <laughs> thank you warning. meanwhile back at the script I have a recommendation for you unsurprisingly it's another documentary series. Bring it on. So I want to take you, if I can, to the west, most westerly point of Alaska. Westerly point of Alaska. So let's all just try and get let's that Let's all picture in Alaska in our minds, heads. okay? And off to the west of Alaska is an archipelago of islands, a little string of islands. And among that string of islands is one island called Adak, Adak Island. And geographically, it's actually closer to Japan than it is to the US. Right. Now, back in the day, back in the 30s and 40s, there was a big military base built on Adak Island because it was from there that they would launch attacks on Japan. The US military base. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. So, but this series, series, and you're going to go, oh, Jesus, another treasure hunting series. It's called The Pirate Gold of Adak Island because back in the 16th century sorry 17th century such and such a pirate is supposed to have stashed uh, 11 uh, tins food containers stuffed with gold coins across this island you'll find out why if you watch the show the reason they know it's there is because in the 40s while the military base were there one soldier was sent out to dig a trench which was to eventually become a road and he came, he dug up a tin of gold coins. And about 20 years later, on another part of the island, similar story, bingo, bango, bongo, another tin of gold coins. I know there's gold somewhere around here. Oh my gosh. There's a potential of $365 million worth of gold coin buried out here somewhere. There were supposedly 11 buried on the island. The military base has gone about 10, maybe 15 years ago. And up to that point, nobody was allowed to dig anywhere on the island. Now, it's not a small island. It's a huge area. But you weren't allowed digging it because of the military connection. But when the base was demilitarized and the base was literally knocked down, taken off the island, you could dig. Now, the population on the island now is 45. Like, this is fucking remote. Wow. They get wallowed by tsunamis, bad winter storms, snow, everything. And there are 45 people still living on the island. And the mayor of Adak Island, who's a guy, I'd say, in his late 40s, early 50s, he's lived there all his life. He is the mayor. And his job was, he's an ordnance survey expert. So he's, he's, he has basically been paid for the last 20 years to go around the islands and dig up and blow up all the unexploded bombs that the military left there because there are upwards of two and a half thousand still on the island. That was a bit of a shabby D-rig, wasn't it? <clears throat> wasn't it? Yeah, it was, exactly. And being a resident of Adak Island, he knew about the legend of this treasure. 
And the island is literally on its arse. It's derelict. There are these old building complexes that the military had built that are fucking falling down. It's in shit. So he Great decides... Place for a rave, wouldn't it? Well, he decides as a kind of a Hail Mary, I'm going to put the word out and try and put together a team of geologists, um, archaeologists, uh, metal detectorists, GPR equipment users, put a team together and have one kind of fell swoop and try and find this gold because if we find the gold we can rebuild the islands we can improve facilities on the islands maybe attract people back onto the islands so he puts together this team it's a team of four two local guys who've lived there they're kind of fabricators they, they can do what's called jungle fixes so if they need to build something to get down there they'll build a machine to lower you down if they need to dig that up and they've only got certain things on the islands these guys will build them they bring in a woman who's a, an archaeologist by trade uh, Dr M she's known as she kind of looks at geology the way the land sits where they should be looking and then they bring in a techie guy who does all the metal detectoring the GPR stuff the drone stuff and this is eight episodes eight only half for our episodes and off they go to mm. try and find the gold. So they must be quite confident that it is there if they're well. They, the thing is putting that much resources Unlike into most it. of these treasure quests and treasure legends, they know this is true. Okay. Because they've found two tins of gold as expected. And they believe or know so they there's know, more. And yeah. they know for a fact that there was 11. Okay. So they basically split up and decide how they're going to attack the island you know they they're looking. They go to the what what used to be the general records office of the military base, which is now a derelict building. It's half flooded. There's no electricity in it, and they literally kick the door in and have a couple of torches. But all the files are still there. So they go in. They look for the ordnance surveys, the where the um, temporary shelters were built for the families, and otherwise because there were thousands living on the island. Um, and then there's one part of the island that that they are not allowed onto because there's upwards of 600 unexploded. Because when they left, they just fucked them all in one place, buried them, <coughs> and walked away. Unexploded 150-pound shells, like. Mm. But anyway, it's an eight-part series. It's on Netflix, uh, The Pirate Gold of Adak Island. Like most of these series, it's not really about the gold. It's about the people who are looking for it, the story of the island, the history of the island. But something does happen in it. I knew there was something coming there. <laughs> I knew there was an old local turns up one evening. Well, under dark lights in a storm and goes. There are lots I'll of find your. There treasure. are lots of late night digs. There are stories of previous treasure hunters in the late seventies. One of whom went up a ravine, knowing that, thinking he, because his father had worked in the military base, so he'd his father had given him info. I think there's one of them buried out in such and such a place. This man leaves his wife and family, goes up and treks up this ravine and goes missing. They find his body seven years later at the bottom of the ravine. That's how remote and open this place is. And the mayor, who's this guy's late 40s, early 50s, was one of the leaders of the expedition that was sent out to find this guy's body. So he knows where that body is buried or where they found it. So they think, well, if he was up there looking based on his father's info, yeah. let's start there. And they do. It's quite dramatic. I like it. Netflix, eight Sold parts. for the price of a tin of gold. <clears throat> Netflix, eight parts called. The Pirate Gold of Adak Island, A-D-A-K. And apparently there's a season two on the way as well. Great stuff. Get stuck into it. There you are now. All right. Well, we have a guest to meet this week and he is certainly raising the bar of the content that we talk about on this show because not only does he watch it and enjoy it, he writes it, he creates it, he sometimes stars in it. He is Ireland's best 
satirist amongst other things and an award-winning sports journalist and a very sharply dressed man with a suspicious tan. Yeah. It's Paul Howard. I like what you did there because he's actually just written a show about a bar. <laughs> he's raised. Oh, I thought you were saying he looks, he's dressed like he's working in a bar. You all right? How are you, Paul? Thanks you're for joining us. You're as busy as a bee as usual. It's a busy time for you now at the minute over this next yeah. couple of weeks because you've got well, coppers up and running. Well, it, it kind of it looks busier than it is uh, because I wrote coppers uh, five four years ago now yeah. and we two runs of it in, in the Olympia and then we we two years off because of COVID and now it's back again and we're taking it to Limerick and Cork this time so it's going on the road but I don't really have anything to do like that's the thing people think God he must be rushed off his feet but I mean uh, I wrote it I handed it to Carl Harper the director the brilliant Carl Harper he sprinkled his magic on it I mean this guy is a genius and I, I don't talk often enough about well, for a reason, because people might think that he's funnier than I am. But he is, really, you know. And I wrote a script and Carl went into the room with actors and he made the magic, you know. Did and there's so many things in the show uh, that mm. I'm not responsible for. But they're generally the things that people tell me are funny, right? So I'd be sitting, I was sitting in the, I was raging. I was sitting in the Olympia last week, get this tap my shoulder. I really like that bit. And I'm like, what, what bit's that? And they, they go into describing details, something that yeah. Carl did so in the rehearsal. Nothing to do with it all. Not my bit. Not my bit. Well, did you take the claim? Oh, we did. I never, I never credit Carl at all with anything, <laughs> you know. But that's, it is the great thing about working with a, a director like Carl. Like, yeah. you know, he, he, he gets it. Like, he, he can see something. He goes, yeah, that's funny to read. But to get a thousand people in a theatre to yeah, laugh at that, right. it's going to need a little bit of this. Mm. And I copped it very early on with him. I, I, I knew he was, I knew how good he was. And I stayed out of the rehearsal room. And Do because you know, it's great to hear a playwright talking like that about, yeah. about a director, because a lot of people don't realise like that, you know, much with TV and films, <clears throat> yes, it's all about the writing, but it's, you're, what you're watching is the director's vision. No, it's all about direction. Yeah. It's all about direction. And what I've discovered as a writer is if I sit in the rehearsal room, the actors are conscious that I'm there. Oh, and Jesus, I'm not yeah, the yeah. kind of I'm not the kind of writer who, as, as I, I heard one playwright once said to uh, an actor, you know, you're, uh, I wrote that as a semicolon. You're playing it as a comma. Oh, and Christ. Like, oh, I, I would never... Oh, I've been there. I've been there. You know, there. you yeah. have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've, yeah. you've experienced that. And yeah. so I... So I, I noticed there was a tension in the room when I was there. And so I left. I, I said, I, I don't belong here. A writer doesn't belong in this room. And I left. And Carl said to me, I said, give me a ring in four or five days and I'll come in. And I came in. And there's just one, I, I was cracking up laughing, not at my jokes, but just at what they'd done with yeah. it and the chances they took. <laughs> yeah. They don't take those chances if you're in the room watching them. No. That, in my experience. Yeah, you have to let them play. And have you found yeah. that in your experience, Simon, oh, that sometimes if the playwright is there, it can have that stifling... Oh, it's terrible. It's like it's like, it's like like an effect. exam almost. You know, I remember one playwright saying to us as he left the rehearsal room after watching a full production run of a comedy, uh, you know, and not having smiled once. And uh, his parting comment was, remember, lads, it's a fucking comedy. And closed the door. We went, holy fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> almighty. And when's opening night? You just bust <laughs> your hump for yeah, the last yeah. four hours yeah, putting yeah. this run together. You spent weeks <laughs> learning these lines. Remember, it's a comedy and leaves the room. Wow. Now that's comedy. So it sounds as well, Paul, like the key to the success of this is good partnership, good collaboration and knowing not to be, not 
not to be too precious, but knowing when to hand it over and go, you work your magic, I've yeah. done my bit. And and that's very unusual for me because mo most of what I do is is yeah. books or newspaper columns. So there is no collaboration. So mm. it's a very new thing for me to to be in a room uh, and to sort of share it like that, you know. But Are you I open to the director or cast coming to you with them? Look, we might need to potentially look at the way this is written. Need it longer, need it short, or other. Oh, completely! Does that happen? Oh, yeah, completely, yeah. all the time. I mean, my first experience with a musical was Anglo the musical, yeah. which is which is ten years ago, and like we were, you know, the DPP were were trying to close us down. <laughs> Sean Fitzpatrick was trying oh, to close brilliant. us down. Yeah. And like we we were getting <laughs> for those who, who might remember Paul, that was with Muppets as such, wasn't with, it? Yeah, with puppets, puppets on the stage, puppets, yeah. yeah. And but we we were told not to go ahead. But you know, the I think the fine was something like fifty grand if we went ahead and and possible jail time. But I think I think the producers. <laughs> what are we living in a Nazi state? I'll tell you. you know, Donal and Darren, the producers. Um, uh, uh, they they I think. I think they they'd spent a huge amount, of, which is a lot more than fifty grand to put it on. With the Borgosh Energy Theatre <clears> booked for for ten days or two Jesus. weeks or something, and, and it was actually worth our while to defy the DPP. Now, not go to jail, but and it never came to that, thankfully. But but during that whole process, I was getting notes not just from the director. I was getting notes from from the company lawyer about oh, you know I know it doesn't rhyme, <clears> but can you change that word in that song to mm. that instead? You know, that and that was going on not just up until the day of the opening it was going on backstage oh, in the Borgosh Theatre at the interval we're saying to the actors can you say that instead of that that's a painful process for everyone of and the actors were unbelievable because yeah. they had they'd rehearsed for a month they had their cues they knew what they were supposed to say when and what they were to feed off yeah, yeah. and then we're saying right see all these lines here putting a red pen room. don't wow. say any of that stuff just go straight to that and that was going on at the interval it was did horrendous you, when you when you finished writing coppers uh, before it was handed over to Carl did you have any idea that it would be received the way it was because you mentioned two runs in Dublin two sellout runs in Dublin and not just you know uh, Hugely loved by the public, but critically, it was it was loved as well. Now, this is the first time it's going to go outside Dublin, yeah. which will be interesting to see what the audience. I'd say it'll be even better outside Dublin. But did you have any clue with what you've written? Well, there was two big hit shows that summer, and one was the Snapper, which, yeah, which yeah, you were in. Yeah. You were magnificent, by the way. God bless you. And then there was ours. And my big that? fear was the Snapper was going to suck all the energy. <laughs> and vice versa, we were the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah we so were we're same. both we're looking across the city at each other. Yeah, we're looking yeah. across the Liffey. Going, and we were both we're, full. We need to destroy them. But but anyway, it was one of those summers. Yeah, and, it was amazing. It, but it was a word of mouth thing with yeah. coppers. At, at the start, it was tentative. Uh, I think the first four or five nights were maybe half, I always say half full, never say half empty, yeah, yeah, yeah. half full Olympia. <laughs> and then it built up a wor the word of mouth and a lot of it had to do with Johnny Ward because yeah. jo <clears throat> I saw him coming out on the stage he's a the other night. Right? He, he is, he's a genius. Like He's a yeah. comic genius. His timing, he can dance, energy. he can sing and the energy off him, yeah. you know. And he was doing this kind of Conor McGregor thing and that's it's right. entirely him. I didn't write it like that. Yeah, and yeah. that's an example of what they found in the room, yeah, in the yeah. rehearsal room. And I went, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But so, so it was a word of mouth thing and it just took off that summer and by the end there wasn't a ticket to be got. No, there wasn't. The but when you had the likes of Marion Keyes, 
uh, <coughs> Bod's text yeah, Brian tweet about it. Tweeted about it. And that yeah. just goes, that's like lighting a touch, yeah. touch paper, isn't it? But yeah. then you did a second run of it. Yeah. A- and this year now you're taking it outside Dublin. Is there any fear with it at all? I mean, it's going to go down a well, storm, isn't We it? took it to Limerick. I suppose we're kind of pushing an open door in, a, in yeah. some ways because it, we, we did it in Limerick and everybody in the audience has either been to Coppers yeah. or knows what Coppers is. They yeah, get the cultural exactly. reference. Yeah. No one has to have it explained to them yeah. that, you know, it's a country nightclub in Dublin, essentially. It's a country yeah. GAA club disco in Dublin. <laughs> so we had it in, we did it in a, a week in Limerick and it was brilliant. Like the audience yeah. down there loved it. And then, so we three weeks in Dublin, which we're in the middle of now. And then we go to Cork and we're in the Opera House in Cork for, we've seven shows there at the end of August. And I'm really excited about that. Because, Is it sold out? Uh, not quite, but it's selling okay. really quickly. Well, yeah. get, it's get more tickets. than half full. It's more than, more than half, than half, half <laughs> and selling out fast. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised because Coppers is, is not just a uh, all over Ireland thing. I wouldn't mm. be surprised if this show could travel even to the West End yeah. to, or to Broadway. Well, to, I would love, point. I don't know about Broadway, I would love <laughs> to take it to Killarney, you know, because yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the story is yeah. uh, a girl called Nolia Nigarald and she's from Cahersyveen and she moves to Dublin to work in the VHI Claims Department. That's her dream. And that's her dream. Yeah, that's it's her the dream. end of the rainbow for her. And... <laughs> She's living in a bedsit on Harcourt Street. Um, uh, she's happy out. And then one night she just hears this noise coming from across. Exactly. Exactly that, actually. You could have done the sound effects like Who knew that I didn't? She hears Maniac 2000 coming from across the road. Yeah, yeah, and she yeah, goes yeah. across to ask them to turn the, the noise down. <laughs> and she gets sucked into this world and she meets Gino Wilds, <clears throat> played Ward. by Johnny Ward, the captain of the Dublin football team. And they fall in love. So it's a kind of West Side Story thing. It's, it's the their Sharks and the Jets. Attempt, yeah. The Sharks and the Jets. And it's their attempt to have this relate this love affair in spite of all the the cultural and language obstacles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can all relate to that in, in some regard or not. We'll be amazing. How much hanging out in Coppers have you done over the last 20, 30 years? Ah, uh, loads. How long is Coppers there, actually? I mean, it's oh, there. It's there at least 20 years, isn't it? Thir- it I mean, it's there. must be there 30 years <clears> now. Which is the 80s, um, is it? Yeah, 90s. no, the the nineties, oh, I think. Geez. Yeah, thirty years ago. I mean, I 90s. was a regular in the when I was before I was married. Like when I was a single lad, like I was. See, I was. It was all right for you because you were you were famous, like in the in the nineties yeah, during yeah, the Celtic Tiger. Right, yeah. I was too. I was too ugly to get into Reynolds <laughs> and Lilies. Right, you just look. I'd see the bouncers looking at me from fifty yards and you away. You just stayed go, away, yeah. Nah, this he's not gonna he's nah. not gonna augment the library in any way. Especially I'll be shambling up the road He's like not ruin the feng shui of like, Eamon you know? in the library. Uh, no, no, don't let him in. So yeah, so anyway, Coppers was kind of like an embassy for people who were unloved in those mm. trendy nightclubs. You know, you could always get in there. Everybody got into Coppers. And you did. Uh, let's talk about television and film if we can. Yeah. In terms of television, what's your kind of go-to? I mean, without asking you for a top three or a top five, in terms of TV, what what kind of TV do you watch? I, I generally, I say I've got terrible taste in things, right? Excellent, you'll fit in perfectly here. Uh, <laughs> and I tend to watch old stuff a lot. So Good. any new yeah. stuff, I do watch Mary, my wife, is, is the leader. Right. Like she okay. watches everything. She yeah. is all over everything. She'll tell me, saw the first episode of that it's Ooh. really good so she's your barometer she'll say you love this part yeah I mean it was yeah. up to me I'd be watching black and white movies like you know Excellent. and hating them yeah, you yeah. know but yeah. but but Mary's very good at stuff like that you know we go through you know, we've, we've Netflix we've Apple TV we've yeah. all of that I'm, Disney I'm, I'm, all the rest yeah. you know so uh some of the standout stuff like Sopranos 
uh, Game of Thrones, those shows. The problem with them is they're so good. They've raised yeah. the bar to such a level that so much on television disappoints me now. Take your hat off. Excuse me? They don't sell hot dogs here. They took the bleachers out two years ago. Right. Really? Oh, I wa after Game of Thrones for about three years, if there wasn't a dragon or the threat of a dragon or the promise of a dragon. <laughs> or incest. I was like, what the? You know? This I mean, I, I saw Succession. I thought, this is brilliant. But like, when is the dragon going to show up? <laughs> <laughs> That's it's what it's missing. too real life for me. <laughs> Did you like Succession? I think I think Succession is a work yeah, of genius, yeah, you know? There, there's so many quotable lines from it. But I think my favourite line is... Uh, uh, um, what's what's the guy called? He's English. He plays the Tom. Tom, yeah, right? Tom. I love Tom. And he says, Steve McFadian is that how you say his name? McFadian. Yeah, McFadian. Yeah, yeah. He Matthew says, Matthew, this is a this. They were at some kind of Republican fundraiser, That's and right, he goes, yeah. "This is a safe space." And he says, "What's a safe space?" He says, "It's a place where you don't have to pretend you liked Hamilton." Right? <laughs> and, and the guy, the guy, the young guy says, "But I liked Hamilton." And he goes, "We all liked Hamilton." <laughs> And I just thought it was brilliant. I, I, somebody told me, I can't tell you who it is, but it's somebody who had dinner with Rupert Murdoch, right? Those are the circles I move in, right? Yeah, yeah. Two steps away from Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He told me that his kids refer to each other by their succession No, names. they don't. They do, yeah, yeah. They love it. Like, they love, oh, they call yeah. each other Shiv and everything, yeah. But he said that to be nice. What I think he meant to say was that he wished that mom gave birth to a can opener because at least then it would be useful. One of the things about that show for me is, is that there isn't a single likable character in it. Yeah. Not one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I find myself I can't root for anybody. No, I like stuff like that. Yeah. But is the Murdoch all... kids liking a show like that and, <clears throat> and naming themselves after characters, is that a bit like gangsters watching Love Hate? And going a little yeah, bit, yeah. a little bit. You see, I have that with I have that with Ross as well. You know, people say yeah, to me, yeah. the fact that you're you're sending up these people and this the, Ross came from a place of kind of anger. You know, the fact that they're your audience. I get asked that all the time, and you can't help it. Like if they if they, yeah. you know, I I look at it as a compliment that maybe you've got, you've got them so accurately they see something of themselves yeah, in it yeah, you know yeah. but it does as a as a satirist it, it it bothers you a bit you kind of think you know why don't they hate this yeah, thing yeah i'm, I'm taking the piss yeah yeah. yeah yes no yeah. way i'm taking the piss what but, about what about guilty tv like are you, are you a love island fan or a real uh, house yeah uh, are you? I, do you watch yeah, trash do you? yeah 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 i, I mean highbrow entertainment but what, yeah. but what do you not miss like what's your go to but this summer it was Love Island, like, you know. Really? But Yeah, but see, here's me watching Love Island. Mary would be watching it, you know, and I'd come in, oh, God, that rubbish on the telly, you know. And go, she talks like Michael Owen. That's Michael Owen's daughter. <laughs> it's it. And she's in it this year. And then I sit down, right, and I go, I'll just watch five minutes of this. And then I'm like... Do you I'm, get invested? I'm inve completely invested, you know. And I'd be saying, I wonder what happened to... I'm talking about last year's characters. And Mary says, Paul, forget last year's characters. Like it's an etch a sketch. You don't. Right, it yeah, starts yeah. again. You know. Yeah. So uh, Love I'm glued to it. You know. Well, but I sometimes... like it because it's kind of there, there isn't there aren't a lot of TV programs. I know this from talking to friends. Right. Every there's a room and there's a television in every room of the house. Yes. Yeah, right. Hotels and room. and someone's in that room watching that. Someone's <clears> in that. <throat> but but things like Love Island, X Factor, which I miss. I have to admit. Mm. Uh, they're appointment TV the and you watch them. Experience. You watch them together. Yeah. But do you not find... Yeah. And then, so you enjoy that with your family and then you go into work and it's the conversation. Yeah. And there is less and less of that. Yeah. I would agree whether you're into the, the type of show that is or not when there is, you know, uh, 
a show that's running that's that's live that's not a drama person yeah yeah you, it can have that but it's become fragmented I think because there's so much to watch yeah. now mm. and our tastes are all so different you know where it's not like I was talking to Palomine the other day about you know when we were kids we used to watch Bullseye there are nine prizes behind that board you can take them all home we'd be del delighted if you did keep out of the black and in the red nothing in this game for two in a bed watch your lights they'll help you listen to Tony off you go we wish you all the best that's the Bullseye <laughs> Do they not still try and hang on to that kind of Saturday night tea time TV? You know, yeah. in the UK, the game shows, the family game shows. I don't think they have the ratings they used no, to. They no, they don't. I just no. don't think it's as essential because back then there was so little on, like, you know. Well, you had no choice. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. television didn't start. When I was a kid, television didn't really start <clears throat> until about six o'clock at night. I think RTE or four o'clock or something like that. Ooh, and it ended at 11 with the national anthem. You know, yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was very different. All right, then. Hard one to pick because there was such a, a good amount of them. But favourite uh, tea time Saturday evening Game show, variety oh, show, yeah. ITV, BBC. I, I love the Generation Game. Yes. Yeah. The Generation Game was great. They had this thing on the Generation Game, right? It's like, sometimes I think I must have imagined it because it doesn't seem real thinking about it now, right? They had a thing called Beat the Keeper. Yeah. And That's right. And he used to ring it and you direct where the ball went. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was Peter Shilton. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Ray, Ray Clements, Clements yeah. or Joe Corrigan, who was yeah. the they were the England number one, two, and three, yeah. right? At five o'clock. Now it was probably recorded during the week, but can you imagine Manchester United <laughs> offering Dav David De Gea up on a Thursday? Oh yeah, David, you going to imagine the insurance implications of that? And from what I remember, they were diving on carpet or something. Yeah, it was a studio was, floor yeah, with a green astro yeah, strip yeah. down on top of it. Amazing. Diving. Yeah, yeah, diving on the ground. Do you remember Bob Monkhouse used to do the Golden Arrow? What was the Golden Arrow? No, it was, it was a, it was a, no, it was a I game show. Was he blankety blank? <clears throat> he was eventually at, at some point. Yeah. No, there was a game show that used to be hosted by somebody that he took over, and there was a round and it called the Golden Arrow. Yeah. Where, the, where they literally had a crossbow tied to the camera, <laughs> and the la the person phone you phoned in, and there were balloons on a fucking wall. Up a bit. All right, mate, Bob. Fire! Boom! With his fucking live crossbow bolt across the fucking studio. Can you imagine suggesting that now? We're going to tie a crossbow to a camera. There was no such... In those days, right? But somebody was, no... was injured or killed one time on it. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Good, we'll do this that. until somebody dies. Yeah, well, then, right? then we know it's not safe. But they, they brought it back in the 80s, I think, and it died a death. There was no compliance Literally. culture in those days. No. That was great. Like, in everything. I was talking to my dad the other day about, do you remember sweet cigarettes? Oh, it's yeah. It's like six oh, years yeah. of age yeah, and yeah. A, a little candy stick That's between right. my fingers yeah, yeah, pretending yeah. I can, to smoke. I can taste them as you mentioned. Yeah. Them. And they were chalky. At the end. Yeah. But they were chalky because you could, you could blow like what you thought was the smoke and it was yeah, the powder yeah, on yeah. the cigarette. Actually, none of us knew what a seatbelt were. No, like there was no like no, on a Saturday no. morning when you were being brought to training or a football match. It was yeah. how many can we squeeze in? Because not, not everyone had cars. It wasn't I'm like, sure you were to you, a car. It was like ten in. Were yeah. you both left in other. the car as well? Like we used to get left in the yeah, car with the like, windows oh, really? up. <laughs> my dad used to do. Yeah, my dad used to go to band practice, Dublin concert band at North Cray George Street on a Sunday morning, and we'd have to go. Why I don't know, but regularly we'd be left in the car because they'd go for one after the show. <laughs> oh, no, down to the Blue Line on Parliament right. Street, and the window would be left open a crack. And then maybe every two hours a there'll be water in there as well, a so large bottle there. of Coke <laughs> yeah. and a packet <laughs> of pub crisps. Yeah. 
and that was it. Keep you going, son. Hours. Painting the sun. Those are the days. Um, do you find as well with television now, with the likes of the streaming service, that if you have a particular interest, if you like classical guitar, if you like cooking, yeah, there's a series for you. There's a documentary series for you. Do you do you go down wormholes like that? No, like are you no. into crime stuff or murder mystery or anything like that? The crime, the making a murder stuff. Yeah, noir. I got. I did that Scandi noir thing back when you know when it was popular when mm. it came out first. You know, the, the bridge and the like sweaters that. and uh, uh, yeah. women women. Uh, propositioning men for sex yeah, like they yeah. were men themselves that <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. it was very new <laughs> yeah. uh, Tara Tara Flynn does this uh, find it on YouTube if you can right okay. uh, she does a mock a pretend thing of uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of send up of Scandi Noir it's called yeah. Tits Blind and it's about this it's about it's about this really really sort of switched off uh, emotionally switched off Scandi uh, detective and she goes in she just sees a dead body and she says you know you notice uh, that I am not upset by this yes that is because I'm tits blind I can look at the body and I'm tits blind it's very very funny well you did it. the Scandi stuff I did the Scandi on, stuff and, and yeah that's what I tend to do I, like see I don't uh, there's two things right firstly I I don't have control of the remote in our house, right? Because right. I don't know. I, personally, I don't know how to use it, right? Like we've got we've got six remote controls on our television, on our on our coffee table, and I don't know how to switch on the television, right? right. So, uh, <laughs> I think one or two of them are from like video recorders that they we don't be, own anymore. But I know this all these. So Mary's like she's she turns it on. So I don't take charge, and I'd have us watching rubbish. Like Mary finds the really really good stuff, and I trust to do that. But also there's stuff that Mary won't watch with me because my nickname is Spoiler Alert, right? Oh, okay, I ruin, I'm guilty of that too. I ruin everything, right? <clears throat> ruin everything. Some, sometimes purposely, sometimes not, like, you know, but I blurt out stuff. I'd be telling someone, you have to you have to watch Shutter Island. Oh, it's brilliant. It's Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio and he plays this, this cop, but he's not really a cop. He's actually a, a patient in the mental asylum. <laughs> going, Shut up! Yeah, <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yeah, you don't find that out till the end. Yeah. Is there anything that she watches that you walk into the room and turns on your heels straight away? Like, what? What will you refuse to turn and watch with her? What? Where do you um, draw the line? If she was no. watching Ireland AM on a Saturday morning, I don't know. We'd we'd have that on on a Saturday morning, Simon. You know, because you can't find yeah. the remote control. <laughs> That's my punishment. <laughs> Mary goes out and leaves me in the room. <laughs> just on the um, the Love Island thing and shows like that. Do you and you enjoy it just purely because of the the entertainment of it? But is there a sense of the the popular culture thing that you just need to stay tapped yeah, into. That's it for me. Like, you know, if you if you don't, you know, if you didn't know who uh, Ekin Sue was this summer, you kind of felt like you were you were kind of behind the conversation yeah. a bit, like, mm. you know, and I'm 51 now, so it's hard enough. I'm hanging on to, right. okay. you know, to, yeah. to stay relevant. Absolutely mm. by my no, fingertips. I mean, as well for your writing as well. Yeah, when it comes to of course. Yeah, that, that it, it helps if, you, if you're kind of in tune with the culture. Um, that's my excuse for watching it. But I mean, I do enjoy it as well. I mean, I enjoy... Like I enjoy the way the language has changed, you yeah. know, the way oh, like vibing now. Vibing, vibing. And and I'm not gonna lie. Every sentence starts with I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. Not gonna lie. And then one but of I the am. characters, I counted, she said literally, literally nine times in about 30 seconds. Yeah. And I counted them literally. I'm literally upset about this. I'm literally, you know. Uh, and so, then the abbreviations of words, like um, situation yeah. is the sitch and yeah. Um, yeah, I know, you know, and we, 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 
just became obsessed. So I'd be saying to Mary, can I pull you for a chat? Yeah. Bring her down to the bring her down to the kitchen. We put the kettle on. Yeah. So anyway, can we talk about um, sports TV or sports films? Given your yeah. passion for sports and yeah. your, your writing in that uh, area, favorite sports film? I, th- I think my favorite sports film. It's it's not going to be a classic, right? But it's a classic to me, right? Because it's awful in so many ways. Uh, <laughs> but I can't stop watching it. Escape to victory. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can get up here. Don't try and run through. Don't try and be a hero and get a goal yourself. That centre I want up there and I want you to pass. Pass. Always pass. Let the ball do the running for you. Don't try and run with it. You're in no condition to run for 90 minutes, I tell you. It's Great. terrible, and it was it was it was obviously filmed on a on a on a on a small budget, Absolute. and they they blew it all on Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And the rest of the cast is made up of Ipswich former Ipswich John Town Walk. players, John Walk, yeah. Kevin O'Callaghan, the former yeah. Irish international, who was the goalkeeper yeah. in it. Yeah. Um, as LA. a friend of mine says, he ne- he never quite uh, he never quite recaptured his uh, escape to victory form in an Ireland jersey, <laughs> but. It it was it was it's such a brilliant film because Ozzy Ardiles was in it and yeah. when that film came out Ozzy Ardiles was a huge star oh, he was in England the king. Yeah, yeah. and then Pele we'd never seen Pele play but we knew he was he was huge in our imagination and that moment where he goes I do this 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 yeah, this yeah, goal yeah. easy yeah. and the ridiculous ending where they're they're in the prisoner of war. Is the camp. spoiler alert, folks? <laughs> spoiler alert! Turn off if you haven't seen it because I'm going to ruin it for you. Yeah. At the end, and they're being mal- you know mistreated in this prisoner of war camp, and they're four nil down, and the fix is in. It's like watching Man City and you know this match is fixed for Man City to win it, right? Because there's no justice in the world. Yeah. And at half time, they're all getting ready to disappear down the tunnel. The the yeah. swimming pool opens, and they get ready to go down. And Michael Caine goes, we can win this. And not one of them goes, "Ah, will you fuck (laughs) off? Fuck the match. Who gives a shit about the match? Good luck. They go, oh yeah, let's all go back and play, you know. Is it possibly Stallone's worst performance? I know there's a lot to choose from. Yeah. Fucking awful. I, t- I think it. I think it was. Yeah. There's that great moment where he uh, he saves the penalty again. Spoiler alert. I always say spoiler alert after spoiler. By the way, he saves the penalty and his jaw is going. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Back and he forth. He couldn't even play a goalkeeper. And I no. think he was in in the making of that. He was quite demanding in yeah. certain situations. Like that's. I want to do this and I want to do that. Yeah, and they were like, yeah. really? That well, make, he thought he was making a thing. movie yeah. about Nazis. That's it right, wasn't. yeah. And Sokka wouldn't have had any resonance. Oh, you can of tell Sylvester, he never kicked a round ball in his life. No. Or saved but, one. But speaking no. of Sylvester Stallone, I mean, the greatest movie, like for, for you oh. know, to get me teared up is, oh, is Rocky. Rocky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, day, the day. first Rocky. The third Rocky was great, but it was kitsch, you oh, know. The first and one was amazing. We, but, but the first one and the fact that he didn't win, what an ending, spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah. The fact that <laughs> he lost on points. At the air, can, we, right? yeah, can we book you for a segment on this regularly just called Spoiler Alert? <laughs> <The> spoiler Alert. <laughs> Paul Howard oh, wins 50 dear. classic movies. Would you agree that Rocky won essentially is a love story? Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You mean well, it's in love like... with Apollo Creed, didn't it? Uh, well, no, well, with, with Adrian, really. Well, I kind of so thought he was in love is... Apollo Creed. <laughs> really? I need <laughs> to revisit yeah, it. Yeah. Well, but ultimately, it... they fall in love. They do, yeah. Um, it, it, it was shot it like Mean love Streets, wasn't it? It was the, the way it looked was so gritty. gritty and dirty. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's based on a, on, a, on a fighter called Chuck Wepner. And, and Muhammad Ali gave Chuck Wepner 
a shot at the title, just a no hoper, you know. And 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 Sylvester Stallone wrote the script and and you know put his whole life on it, mm, sold yeah, everything yeah, except did, his dog, yeah. apparently, you know, yeah, yeah. who I think is the dog in the in the film in the film, yeah. and. It's it's just such a magnificent film, and what an ending! Like you know, the fact that he doesn't win, yeah, and he said, genius. "There's that great moment." Don't Apollo Creed says, "I'm going to be no rematch," and and Sylvester Stallone says, "Don't want one." Oh, I'm tearing up talking about that. Yeah. Like, you know, I've been coming in for six years. In six years, you've been sticking it to me. I want to know how come. You don't want to know. Yeah, I want to know how come. You want to know? I want to know. How. Okay, I'm going to tell you, because you had the talent to become a good fighter. And instead of that, you became a leg breaker to some cheap second-rate loan shark. To living? It's a waste of life. Now, what about Raging Bull? I love Raging Bull, yeah. but see, Raging Bull is an art. Cla- it's a it's a piece of art. It you is. Know? It is yeah, a piece yeah. of art. I didn't. Rocky. I was invested in Rocky because I wanted him to win, right? Mm. Yeah. And Raging Bull. I saw Raging Bull years and years later, <clears throat> but Rocky. Rocky entered my life around kind of 82, 83. Yeah. Uh, the video recorder had just been, the home video recorder had just been invented. Were you VHS or Beatmax? We were VHS. We went VHS. My dad, my dad's been, <clears throat> a neighbour of ours had BMX. And, the head of his time. They always looked so unhappy because they were <laughs> BMX. And I don't think they ever recovered from that. Well, I don't think the films were as available on Beatmax. No, no, nothing was. There was no video, there was no video shops. And no. there was a van, used, a fellow used to drive around Cromlech Fields, which is where I lived in Ballybrack, <clears throat> In a, in a van and you got your videos from the back ah, and brilliant. in the front you had the dirty brilliant. movies in the front great. you know yeah, yeah. fathers that said not my father but other fathers that say go on there go on in there son and they yeah. go down to the front <laughs> like, and they get the dirty movies but anyway a friend of mine so a, a lot of these movies were pirate right they were yeah, illegal course, yeah. right so you'd be watching we'd be watching E.T. and there'd be all these heads in front oh, of it it was filmed in the cinema in America and you'd hear like yeah. You know, you'd hear someone go, uh, you know, uh, oh, Jesus, whispering. And I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is during E.T. at the sad bit, you really know. I'd be right here. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but anyway, so we, we, we're watching these. But anyway, your man was always getting raided. And he was, my friend was minding all the videos in his house. So we spent the whole summer just watching wow, video after video wow, after video. Wow. So we saw Rocky Three before it was in the cinema and we watched Rocky One, Rocky Two, and then Rocky Three. Clubber wow. Lang and all that, you know. Okay, and good. we watched the three of them. And the thing about Rocky was when you got out, you felt like you could yeah, fight. Because yeah, yeah, the music, yeah. you were up on the yeah. adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. Dun, dun. Yeah. You felt like you that, you know. Your fists are bald. And then Ballybrack had a way of kind of bringing you back yeah, down. Did, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got the first thump in the head, you know, you walked up to another bigger lads, I give you that. <laughs> but that was, that was cinema, that. like it, but that's how I, they were the first that's movies great, I watched because movies. in those days, a film would come out in the cinema and it was about four years before you, you actually saw yeah, it yeah. again on telly yeah, or, or yeah. On, mm. on VHS. So those three will be the ones that you take away to an island, that they're the ones you'd rewatch over and over. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, or <clears> them and... Intermission, which is the movie I watch. Wow. Re- okay. Like with a religious zeal five times a year. Staying out of trouble? Oh, Jesus. Doesn't look like it. Who did that to you? You're the L one, man. She poked me in the eye with her cock. You cheeky little fuck you! I'm watching you. Do you hear me? If I find out that you've been in any way bold, I'm going to nab you. Really? That's, oh, that's I lot. think. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm oh, guilty of watching <clears throat> Braveheart maybe twice a year. And that's yeah. 20 you know, years. And it's, I know right. it's a load of shit, but it just, 
Yeah. It, it hits me in certain places. That Roddy Collins don't. told me recently, I uh, was working on <clears throat> Roddy Collins' book with him and he told me about a footballer he played with who used to watch it every single night. Braveheart. Right. Every night. Every really? night. Yeah. Every, every night of his night. life. He would watch Braveheart to, to build him up. Well, know? I know a lot of the <coughs> sports people and the rugby lads, I think even Gordon, your friend Gordon Darcy used to watch any given Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Match and probably just dialed in on yeah, the speech. The just speech to, is the thing. Yeah. But intermission for me, I, I, I just love it. You know, Marco Rowe, I, I think he's a genius with dialogue, you know, but the Columbini character. Yeah. Oh, it's... And I say, I learned all... I, I know it all off by heart. I can say the whole film as I'm watching it, like, yeah. you know. But that bit where he says, you know, uh, he's talking about the music, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the tapes. The, you know, uh, I'm a fuck man, you know. <laughs> the only vaguely human quality of me that I have is my fondness for Celtic mysticism. <laughs> What's that? The music, man. <laughs> Artistes like Ranyok, Fonya Lassock, <laughs> Awan and Yalok. Planet, you like those artists? Uh, well, of course you do. Yeah. We were in, me and Mary were in Brown Thomas one Christmas, right? And, uh, and it was, I see Colomini, right? And he's looking really hassled. He was just sort of wandering around, looking lost, you know? And he had a list in his hand. And I said, oh, Jesus, there's Colomini. And she said, Paul, don't. And I went, what? She said, he doesn't want to hear your, your favourite fav- yeah. lines from intermission. And I said... I actually think he does, though. I th- I, just looking at him, I think that's exactly, exactly what, what he wants. What he needs right know? now. <laughs> so she said, you "Do not go near him." But anyway, so I, I don't know. But I caught his eye, and he caught my eye, and he he came over, just a just a friendly face, kind of. So, and he went, "Ah, oh, I'm wandering around the shop here. I have a list here. Yeah, I don't. I just he was doing the Christmas shopping that year on Christmas Eve. You know, I've just been to a shop called Argos. Do you know that shop? <laughs> right? <laughs> I said, I do. I said. Uh, we were at the Charlotte Tilbury counter, you know, you had to get something from there, you know. So he said, yeah, I mean, you go over to that guy and you tell him, you go to the computer and you tell him what you want, then go to that guy and you pay him. Then you go up to this little theatre thing and you wait there and, and then they give it. Ah, oh, it's just, I said, I know, it, it always makes me think it's like, would be like living under communism, you know. <laughs> and he laughed, like, and everyone was looking back as I made him. Like, <laughs> and then he said, do, do you want to go ahead? You don't mind? I said, no, no, go ahead. You know, so he went there, got his bits anyway, eyebrow pencil, whatever he was buying for a gift. And as he was walking away, he just went, thanks, comrade. Oh, <laughs> it made my oh, Christmas great. that year. Oh, it just great. made my Christmas. I know you know him well, Sam. I know yeah. you had the pleasure of meeting him once. And you, and were, you were with him. Sorry. No, sorry no, no, to, you're good. You're you, good. you starred with him in the Partridge movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm, yeah. I met him on set in intermission. I had a very, I had a cough and a spit in intermission. I Did played. you? Yeah, I played Paul, a fellow you tries, to, known that. tries to chat up Deirdre O'Kane in, in a nightclub. Yeah. And tries to get, ask her, does she like fish or chips? Anyway, very strange. John Crowley. Sorry, I'm not going to cross you there. <laughs> no, no, I remember being dispatched on... He's a gentleman, yeah. To, to, to work the red carpet of the IFTAS, I mean, showbiz folks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this was back in the Celtic Tiger days. And there was Caroline Moore and myself, and she's dolled up, I'm wearing a suit. And, and, but wearing it well uh, thank you and the stars are coming down and, and it's all what are you wearing and yeah. blah 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 and it's all it's Dolce Gabbana this Colin arrives yeah. and me I've gone my Colin has gone he's like alright yeah yeah and he's just like not into it I said Colin must ask you what are you wearing and he looked at me and he went what I said what are you wearing he goes a fucking suit <laughs> Oh, he's a gem. Absolute gem. <laughs> great guy. Great guy. Paul, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. Yeah, so, for really Chopper's the musical. Yes. Currently in Dublin. <clears throat> and then... Yeah. And then we're taking it to Cork for the last week of August to, to the Opera House. So, but and for the eventually next two weeks, you'll get to Killarney with it. 
we're, I'm hoping like that's the dream that's for the me dream. you know when we're in the eye neck in Killarney I'll know we've made it you <laughs> wow know? that's Broadway that's for Caesar, me Caesar's yeah, Palace that's Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. love it Paul Howard thank thanks, you so Paul. much thanks guys live from Birmingham it's the Golden Shop well, that was Paul Howard. What a gent. He's a great guy. He's an absolute... A and, prodigious writer. Yeah, and he's hilarious, super talented, mm-hmm. and carries it lightly. And we could have easily done another two hours with him. We'll have him back. The only reason we didn't is because Simon has better things to be doing. I do, yeah. Aiden, isn't it? <laughs> the sun is shining. <laughs> uh, what does Sky give us this week? All right, so a reminder, coming very soon to Sky, much talked about documentary about the late Princess Diana. It is called Diana, Princess of Wales. Um, they've used every amount of archive footage that they have uh, to tell her story and her enduring popularity and also about the, the insatiable tabloid appetite uh, that people had and still do have uh, as much as the affection. So it is coming soon to Sky and it is the story of Princess Diana, Princess of Wales. Marvellous. And I gave you another treasure hunt to dive into uh, over on Netflix, The Pirate Gold of Adak Island, eight little half hours, brand new series, a story that I knew nothing about. But now I'm a world expert on. Uh, join me. Dive in there. Eight episodes to go. Ada, what did you learn this week, Mia Fleur? <laughs> Johnny, even... what did you learn this week? Anybody? Uh, Bueller? Anyone? Why does it no. always have to be learnings? Can we not just enjoy it for what no, it is? I'll, go ahead. What did you learn this week? Go John? on, teacher's pet. <laughs> Thanks, Aiden. Uh, I learned that Sylvester Stone couldn't kick snow off a rope. Yeah. A. Uh, I learned, well, there was a, some kind of blue movie van hitting Ballybrack. Uh, every evening, the good stuff I'm the not front the seat. only one who's that's the biggest takeaway with, from with today's show. Eleven and twelve year olds having their pick, uh, and also I think Paul gives insight. If you you know you're looking for love and you're you're down your luck, Coppers might be the place for you. Absolutely. Oh, and I learned as well that if you do run into Colin Meany in Brown Thomas on Christmas Eve, yeah. give him a hand. Exactly. Let him go ahead. Yeah. Give him a hand. And I learned that uh, if any of the scouting team at Manchester United watch Escape to Victory, we'd probably put a fucking bid in for 30 million for Stallone. <laughs> Bye!